You're listening to Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro Cook. Today, we're joined by John Underkoffler, who is the principal at Treadle and Loam Pro Visitors. He is also the curator of the extensive Museum of Arts and Design, the director of Looking Glass Factory, and the E14 Fund. John, welcome. Hi, I'm Bradley Cook. I'm your host, and you're watching the Career Up Now video podcast. I'm joined today by John Underkoffler. He is the principal at Treadle and Loam and longtime founder and former CEO of Oblong Industries. John, welcome. Dr. Cook, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I think you're the first person to ever call me Dr. Cook, and you know, I'll take it. My, uh, my student loans definitely represent that. Would love to ask you three main questions for this period. Why and how did you become an entrepreneur? Um, well, that one is, is probably a little bit backwards. Maybe compared to some of your listeners, it's, it's hard for me to know all we have is our own experience. But I, basically for me, it started with an idea and a kind of lifelong idea. And, and in some sense, I backed into being an entrepreneur because that seemed like a great way to, to get things done. Uh, I'd spent, uh, or misspent, if you ask my parents, I'd misspent many, many years in academia working on the thing that was and still is my passion, which is user interface, the ways in which computers are not only interactive, but, but might serve, uh, well, serve humans, first off, that's become contentious, shall we say, serve humans as a, as a first priority, and really extend human will. How can we make user interface, how can we make computation uh, like a, an exoskeleton that we slip into uh, to extend what we can do, to take our thoughts that might otherwise be trapped in our heads and get them out into the world to do whatever it is, whether it's musical or business oriented or visual, whatever. So I'd, I'd worked on that stuff for a very long time at school. And then uh, in one of those uh, twists of fate that only happens in the real world because it's too weird for fiction, I ended up as the science and technology advisor to the film Minority Report. And I pulled all of the ideas I'd been working on in an academic environment into the film. It was just, it was a fantastic uh, vessel, a fantastic vehicle to put these ideas on display and in a, in a pretty high profile way. And so I was responsible for all of the technology, the future tech that the film uh, shows in 2054. But the bulk of my time really was spent on the gestural interfaces that uh, Tom Cruise and Neil McDonough and Colin Farrell use as part of their job uh, as forensic pre-scientists trying to figure out crimes before they happen and stop them. Uh, and the film came out and you never know when a film, you're involved in a film, whether it's gonna be any good or not. Uh, it seems like it could be good and it was and people got really excited about those scenes of future UI. And uh, the truth is that I start, you know, I was still as invested as passionate as ever in these uh, ideas I'd, I'd spent a year of my life rendering them in fictional form, but in a particularly kind of clean and stripped down form. And then I started getting calls from big companies who, you know, I'd, I'd answer the phone and they'd introduce themselves and they'd say, well, we, were, we saw Minority reported that, that stuff in there with the, the gesture and Tom Cruise, is that, was that real? Can we, you know, is it commercially available? Could you build it for, could you build a specialized version for us? And I thought, well, okay, there's the invitation. This is the way to continue that mission. Let's, uh, let's use the momentum from the ideas that started in academia that went through the kind of fiery kiln of Hollywood, I guess, got purified to a large extent. And now here's just, here's people actually asking for the opportunity to, to use this stuff in the real world. So the truth is, and this is probably really disappointing <laughs> to your, 
dear listeners, but I had not set out to be an entrepreneur, but it presented itself. The, the U.S. startup uh, ecosystem and the way that all that machinery works presented itself as a really powerful way to continue the ideas, to go deeper. And actually, most importantly for me, the possibility of taking these ideas and rendering in them in a, in a form that the whole world could use. I didn't start out wanting to be an entrepreneur per se. I think I'm not fundamentally an entrepreneur, but, but the ideas that drive me found their home in, in a kind of entrepreneurial setting. You know, there's an amazing piece of wisdom that says an individual of influence is someone who stands where no one else is. So this idea that the room was empty as far as this piece and you brought this really creative and unique wisdom to the space to advance the industry. What advice do you have for young or new entrepreneurs? I'm pretty sure that any advice that I might think I have is um, useless because <laughs> we're all finding our way through the thing directly and in, in some kind of isolation, which is why I'm really glad you're doing this podcast and there's, a, there's community organizing and, and self-organizing. I think um, for me, as I've already said, it's all, it's all about passion, uh, but not everyone starts the same way. There are probably as many paths into and through entrepreneurship as there are humans uh, attempting to do same. Let me rewind and suggest a different bit of advice, which is to find your source of confidence uh, because you're going to be tested, you're going to be battered, you're going to be submerged, you're going to be you know, unable to see, you're going to have a welter of voices coming at you. Uh, even in the case where they're well-meaning voices, it's going to be bewildering. And a lot of that will seep uh, implicitly, if it's, if it's non-malevolent, a, a lot of those voices will have the effect of testing your confidence. And no one, well, I'm confident at very few things. There are probably people who are confident supremely at all sorts of things. They tend to turn into sociopaths, so that's interesting in a different way. But if, if you're a regular human like me and you're confident about some things and not confident about other things, find the thing or the small core of things that are unassailable, that no matter what someone says, um, you can sort of stand on, stand behind, keep your arms around. And it, it could be anything. It could be the core idea. It could be the technology. It could be the, the team. Uh, whatever it is that makes you confident, no matter what someone else says, is going to be uh, you know, both a North Star and a mast to lash yourself to during the storm. And those, that idea of confidence um, for many people, certainly for me, I think can tie to passion. Like if, you know, if no matter what someone says, no matter how badly sales are going, you still believe in the idea, that's a strength. And the idea of expertise that grows out of passion or that grows out of something else is, is in that category too. For people who start their entrepreneurial journey without an initial idea, but by casting around and trying to find something that they'd like to take on, become an expert in that thing. You didn't start out to know everything there was to know, let's say, about the U.S. immigration process, but that's what your company does now. You're no longer an abstract entrepreneur. You're no longer a business person. You need to be the world's expert on how the U.S. deals with immigration laws because that's what your life is. And they're in it. Uh, emerges a uh, kind of confidence and, and a kind of authority as well. What do you wish you had known before you got started? I think one of the things that you can, that I hope is possible to, to gain a sensitivity to and an understanding of, 
and here I'm talking about something that I definitely am not an expert in and probably didn't learn very much about at all, but I have a strong sense that if you can understand, intuitively understand an emotional and political and human interactional landscape around you so that you know the moments when you should be standing firm on some principle, some idea, and the other moments, you know, by contradistinction, when it's most important to let kind of a collective wisdom or an alternate viewpoint carry you in a new direction, carry some aspect of your business in a new direction. I think the idea of, you know, when to have the parking brake on or when to be holding the steering wheel, let's say, or the tiller, let's make it nautical, our metaphor, when to hold the tiller and to steer in some direction versus letting the clear direction of the wind that's filling your sails strongly influence the direction you're going. Knowing when to do those two very separate things, I think is probably a business superpower and an entrepreneurial superpower. And I felt like I got it wrong a lot of the time, like uh, standing on principle when there was no angle in it and no benefit to anyone, not even me from it. But then also at other moments, letting, you know, let's say a particularly opinionated or forceful member of the team, internal or external, too strongly inflect, uh, inflect your, the, the whole organization's direction. And probably I should have just swapped the moments at which I did A versus B and, and uh, who knows. Anyway, so when to steer, when to let the wind blow you. If you were part of a bicycle, what part would you be and why? I'd like to think you just made up that question, but it sounds like um, a kind of core question from a secret cache of wisdom that only a few people get to access. In either event, if I were part of a bicycle, which part would I be? Uh, I think I would be the set of spokes in each wheel uh, because they are distributed. They take the action and the weight of the entire apparatus. No one of the individual spokes could, uh, you know, could sustain the weight uh, or could balance the forward and turning motion of the thing. But taken together as a kind of symbol of what, of, of what happens in physics and also what happens in teams, it's quite a beautiful arrangement. And you get into kind of gyroscopic forces and so forth and all the reasons that a bike does what a bike does. And probably also because it's the thing that no one else would want to be. I really, this has been such a fascinating conversation and I'm so thankful that you were able to join us and I want to just wish you well in all your worthy endeavors. Well, thanks very much. I'd uh, certainly love to learn more about, uh, about your organization and its activities and I wish all the entrepreneurs out there not only success but wisdom along the way. Thanks.